0: Clark on the mic, yes I'm doing what I do Representing for the ladies, but he's speaking for the goons Back and forth with the banter, banter, banter You got questions, we got answers, answers, answers Every week we're bringing you the entertainment and the news Welcome to our podcast for the ladies and the goons Ladies, goons, ladies, goons, ladies, goons, ladies, goons Ladies, goons, ladies, hey, hey, hey. Hello, everyone. And welcome to episode 10 of the Ladies, Ladies and Goons, and Goons podcast. podcast. It's episode 10 already. It it's should really be 12. Um, That's but, you about know. that
1: many people listen to it.
0: Huh? What'd you say?
1: We got an episode for every listener.
0: That's how he feels. Um, but hey, episode 10. And today we are going to focus a little bit on hip-hop yay
1: i appreciate all 10 of our listeners though
0: i appreciate all of our listeners correct i do all right so i'm going to ask some questions and have buck talk a little bit i'll talk a little bit but today it's all about hip-hop all right so buck this is a general question you can answer it however you feel but what did hip-hop do for you
1: Man, hip-hop has done so much for me throughout my lifetime.
0: You've been doing the most right now.
1: (laughs) I mean, like...
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know you're joking. You're not joking, but you are, because you don't talk like
1: that. I'm not joking, but I'm saying it jokingly. Yes. That's just a funny question to hear. Like, what is it? That's a hard question to answer. Has done so much, like in so many ways.
0: What do you consider hip-hop?
1: Huh. The hop with hipness to it. That sounds funny, but that's how I always thought of hip-hop. Like, back in the days when it started getting cool and they started doing the hop, and all the bands were performing that kind of music, it had like a little dweeby vibe to it and then the black people threw the hipness in it
0: yes, cause true. it was
1: songs like the hop and they had like they had topics they talked about a lot of the stuff that we talk about now but different nomenclature And then it just got hip like the hip, the hop the hip bit
0: <laughs> when I always every time I speak about hip hop especially with older people, not so much younger ones, but um, it always goes back to the five pillars of hip-hop. So they're like five pillars. Some people say it's really four, whatever. Um, But what I see right here, the pillars of hip-hop, so it has the oral, which is emceeing, so it's the vocal. Um, They have another oral, but it's like what you hear, not O-R-A-L, but A-U-R-A-L, and that is DJing. Then you have the physical, which is break dancing, the visual which is graffiti, and then the mental which is knowledge. So those are the five pillars of hip-hop hmm. so in saying what hip-hop has done for me, a lot of those um, a lot of the five were instrumental in my early childhood development I'm old, so i'm I'm close to the age of hip hop. Um, I used to I used to rap, so I guess emceeing has something to do with that. Um You was
1: in that group with them other twelve people called the um Jesus and the Apostles.
0: I don't know what he's talking about and why he thinks that's funny. But um yeah, I used to I used to rap so um that was an important part of my life for a short portion of my life and then um I did actually DJ for a very short time until I moved into production. So I think for me, I know it just says DJing there, but I think DJing and music production all go into the same bucket. So, MCing or even writing music, like those, I put them all together.
1: You still a DJ a little bit, don't you? Like in the shower, ficky Fikki?
0: <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> um, and then breakdancing or any type of dance, hip hop dance, has been a major portion of my, my younger life graffiti, which is a visual. I'm a visual artist now. I do a lot of visual artwork. Um, And then knowledge, mental, I guess the the mental aspect, depending on what you're listening to, but um, everything that you listen to, you take in some, some information from that. So hip hop has done a lot for me. Hip hop has been a major portion of my life. And although it may not feel like it is as much right now, um, it, it it was a lot it, it guided me a lot and just being around hip hop gives you a little bit more swagger too you have yeah, to have you have to have that like that swagger it just happens just being around something as, po- as powerful as that it just it just rubs off on you
1: there's a term like soundtrack of my life yeah and it's like nowadays we you have access to so much music It's not really saying much that music is a soundtrack of your life because you could just access the feelings that you want and continually play them. But when I was younger, it seemed like a lot of the music that I ran into, before I was able to stream anything I wanted, Mm -hmm. was like telling the story of my life. That's how it felt for me a lot of times
0: so those are like your first memories of hip-hop like it's it's crazy because um prior to hip-hop the music did not really talk about certain neighborhoods certain areas other than love which is like universal of course there's r&b songs and, and slow songs you didn't see many people didn't see themselves in the music that they were listening to so it was either just aspiring for something Um, or listening to what someone else has or what someone else has gone through and trying to relate to it, where hip-hop came in and gave a voice to a group of people that didn't have that voice. I mean, and now that has evolved and everyone else wanting a piece of of this, of of that culture, they don't actually want to live the culture, but they want to be able to to fake that they're in that culture for a little bit and then go back to their, their lives. But it says something that, you know, you finally see yourself in something, and although I was not immersed in hip hop myself as a as a young person, I gravitated towards it because of the 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 movement and the, the happiness and the and and it's weird because some of the songs weren't happy, but the beats and the movements and the cadences, which I'm really big on, um, and then being able to relate to it in the sense that when I walked outside my door and I was interacting with people, I could see what was in the music, even if it wasn't something that I Had to be a part of. So I had like that choice that I didn't necessarily have to be a part of certain things. Um, But it was cool to see it. It still looked, it's a reflection of what is around you at the time. So I always appreciated that. Then you have, I mean, you do have the times where people exaggerate, people exaggerate everything. So things get, you know, taken out of context or whatever. But um, to me, I remember watching Video Music Box on my parents' TV upstairs just so I could be away from everybody and, like, really, like, pay attention and listen to I mean, it wasn't like today when you had all your music right there and you could just pull up whatever you wanted. So it was literally sitting down and waiting for the video to come on that you wanted to see and then, like, listening to it over and over. I had a VCR, so I would just record it and then, like, watch it over and over and over until the next time. Um, so it was v- video music box and then also the box, like, where you could call in and request stuff and all that. And like, it was the interactive stuff that was like, wow, I'm really having a voice.
1: Um, Bobby Simmons.
0: Yeah. It was, I mean, I think back, I'm getting goosebumps now because I think back, it was just such a different time. And it probably wasn't that different, except that in my own bubble and what I had going on around me just felt like a different time. I know people, people criticize what's going on now, but if you really, If you really stop and think about it and you hear the stories of people back then, they're no different than the stories now. But we now have like things to capture it. And so everyone can see it and it's like out there and people can see it more. So it seems like so much more is going on, which I don't even necessarily think that so much more is actually going on. It's just you're getting to see it a little bit more. But that's just my opinion. How did hip hop make you feel? Do you remember the first time you heard hip hop?
1: I don't really know the exact first time. I know my interactions with some songs that I can think back to as being very early in my life. Yeah. Like, um, specifically, I remember being really small, and It's Like That came out. Yeah. (laughs) And my mother used to listen to that song, and she used to go with her friends and take me. So I used to just, like, I remember one day, I was just fitting that into everywhere where it was appropriate. Like <laughs> somebody would say something happened, I'm like, why would, that, why would they do that? And I'd be like, it's like that, and that's <laughs> the, the way, way it is. <laughs> is. <laughs> I remember saying that all day. Oh, my gosh. Like, so this is like making a correlation between the music and real life. I still that's do great. that now. As soon as I hear something, a song pops in my head. Yeah, maybe.
0: it's true. I mean... I was not born in this country, so I came here when I was three. Um, and we moved to, I think, Florida first, but I wouldn't remember that, and then eventually New York. So I, I first interaction with hip-hop was in Brooklyn um, on Pacific Street, which is where I lived in um, in Brooklyn, and there was a block party. It's the first time I heard a block party, like I never knew what that was. And so they closed off our block and had like all this music and everything going on. And it was like, it was like equivalent to a a carnival or something. Like I was just so happy with the beats were so loud. And we were on, I believe we lived on the third floor um, of a three floor apartment building. Um, And so the whole building was like shaking. And then I went outside and I just saw so much happiness and like people running around and kids playing and, um it was in the summertime and they had sprint, the um the fire hose whatever like the fire what is it hydrant they had opened the, fi- the hydrant so it was like going everywhere. I it was like so much chaos and like beauty at the same time like I was so excited and it took a while for me to be able to get outside cuz I couldn't go out by myself so my mom had to go and she was doing a bunch of other stuff and I was just in the window like whatever this is I want it <laughs> I was like I never heard those songs and when you move to a lot of times when, uh, when a family moves to America, there's a lot of assimilation that goes on, and you're trying to, to fit in more so than anything else. So it, whatever, the music that we were listening to, whatever my parents were listening to, of course we always had Bob Marley, we always had reggae going on in the house, but then it was like, for my mom, it was a lot of R&B, things that were on the radio. Um, my dad was basically top 40, like anything that was on like the regular radio, um, Whatever. So those were the mu- that was the music that I was um, privy to at a very young age, but then hip hop got big and it was just, it was just great. I don't know. It was just amazing. It changed my life forever. Um, so yeah, that was my first memory, really, of hip hop. And then from there, I was the one in my family that was always into hip hop or hip hop culture. Or fashion, or whatever. I started working early. I got a job early, so I wouldn't have to ask my parents for anything, um, and I could just get what I wanted. Which is not really how that works. You can't just. I mean, I did that, but now looking back in it, I realize that's kind of disrespectful because I was just basically like, "Well, I'm making my own money, so you can't tell me anything." So I used to go and just buy stuff, and they'd be like, "Where did you get that?" I'm like, "Oh, I just bought it." But you know, nowadays, like if I had my own kid, that wouldn't. I wouldn't let that fly. But. They were gracious and they let me, within reason, kind of get things. Some things they didn't even know that I got, but you know. Like I know I got a beeper the first time I got a beeper. They had no idea for like a year, but I was like so excited. For what reason, I don't know. I didn't even know that many people that had beepers either. So it was like, it was just sitting there for me to play around with, I don't know. Well, um, yeah, a little bit of a segue though, cause I was just talking about being, I was born in Jamaica as I've told you all before. Um, so I have like hip-hop and reggae slash dancehall. To me, they go hand in hand. To me, they're whenever I hear hip-hop, I assume that some reggae or dancehall is going to be thrown in there. Um, so they're synonymous. And actually, I would look at reggae and dancehall the way I look like hip-hop, hip-hop and R&B. Like reggae would be more like the R&B version of that same type of music, and then dancehall would be the hip-hop. That's how I've always rationalized it in my mind. There's other types of reggae too, obviously. Just like there's other types of R&B, but um, that's how I kind of looked at it. But do you have any like thoughts on like reggae dancehall compared to hip hop? Are they similar? Are they in the same vein? Like, what do you think?
1: Hmm, I think they um, they are similar in purpose, somewhat in sound. a lot of old school sound has to be Cool Herc started hip hop and Cool Herc is Jamaican isn't
0: he yeah yeah so there's similarities as with anything something starts one way and then it takes off and people always want things to stay the same and it just just doesn't make sense for that so it it starts one way and it takes off um it's easier to get ideas for something once there's already a foundation and that's what people forget. Like the first person to do something, that's why they get so much props because it's like, there was nothing else and this just came from whatever it came from and they created it. Once you have that foundation, you can be like, Oh yeah, you can skip all of that other part. Cause you have this one foundation. And now you can say, well, what if we add this? Or what if we take away this? Because you have something to work from. Um, and I think that's kind of where it gets, like when people will say that, you know someone's the greatest of all time and you might have a newer artist that you like better and you're like they sound better their music is better but others may be taking into consideration what that other person had to work with and what and how much they helped the newer artist get to where they want are going to be or wanted to be faster all right so this question is for both of us when did you start rapping and producing
1: I started rapping, I want to say in 1990,
0: in the late 1900s. (laughs) In the late 1900s.
1: (laughs) Okay. Yeah, started in the 1900s. I like school. Not at school.
0: They always had little ciphers at school, at a little table, everyone banging on the table and trying to rap. Mm-hmm. I used to do those, but I didn't consider myself a rapper then. I just used to do it because I, I could rhyme. I never
1: did cyphers because like, I was never like, really like, a freestyle rapper. I liked to write.
0: Yeah. Same. So I, I don't freestyle. Writing. The cyphers were a little bit easier back in the day because they were really slow and gave people a chance to think of something. So all you had to do was know how to rhyme enough. Like Especially for a girl because it's not like I was going to be talking about busting guns or some craziness. It was like something like whatever's in the room. Um, So I used to do those.
1: I just never like to have to find something to say, and I like to say things that are like witty.
0: Yeah, you like to think about what you say before you say it. Yeah. Because that's the thing. When you freestyle off the top of your head, it's like anything's liable to come out, even if it's not something that you really feel. Sometimes it's just that something rhymes, or... You say something because it's funny and it's something you probably would have said in your mind in regular life and it wouldn't come out. And then you're held you know, accountable for what has been said. So I've seen a lot of fights start with um, freestyles. Everyone's a comedian at that point.
1: The producing. I started producing probably, i will say, in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm because yeah, I didn't want to go to other people for beats. And I used to listen to music to, like, hear the drum pattern. And I thought I had it down to a science. The drum pattern, the sample. Yeah. So, like, yeah, like, the early 2000s. I think
0: mine was... Mine was similar. I don't think so. I started I started like doing little freestyles, funny things, whatever, and talent shows like my sister, my older sister was always very creative. And so um, since we weren't like we weren't going to be going out and just hanging out. So on our block was like our little refuge and we would hang out on the block and we would have a block show. So there was like one house across the street that our, our friend owned the house and then there was a plot of land beside it just enough to fit a house and eventually they put out house there like before we moved but prior to that it was just an empty lot and so we would set up the sidewalk was raised higher because the lot you had to go down into the lot to like build the foundation or whatever and it was never built so the sidewalk ended up being the stage and then We went down we put chairs and stuff in there and we'd have a show like every year. We'd work the entire year, work up to the show and then have the show. My sister used to also have, we had like beauty pageants and stuff and we got in trouble because we cut all of my mom's roses off to make bouquets and she was... I don't think she ever forgave, but she talked about it like a year ago. She's never forgiven us for that. They were the most beautiful roses, and we just cut a huge bouquet for first, pra- um, first prize and the place. And then we had like second and third, and like all of her, all of her beautiful roses. Anyway, so we used to do that, and we used to dance a lot. So hip hop dance a lot, um, and dance competitively, and go into Manhattan and compete against other um, people and kids and adults. At one point, we were just like going in and and dancing against anyone Um, but I used to on the block party the block show I would sing which I'm not really a singer but they were like oh yeah you have a great voice you need to sing so I remember singing I'm not your superwoman (laughs) which is just weird for like I think I was probably like eight like an eight year old to be singing Karen White whatever Um, and I rapped a couple of times But it was not my own raps. Like, I just performed whatever. Like, I think we did Supersonic and we did, like, other things. But we we were mainly performers, so anything that we could perform. But that was, like, and it's only it was really only family members, like, of everyone on the block. But it was still a lot because it was a pretty big block. And our family alone had six kids. So when we invited other people to come, it was, like, a good... 150 people in the audience that's not like a little amount for like a little block Um, and then they would have like a fish fry every was like a whole big thing for this show that us the kids planned or really my sister planned Um, she was really good at putting together shows and um, so I started that and I really liked performing at that point in time so dancing and I never really sang again because singing is too unpredictable for me because my voice doesn't always do what I wanted to do Um, but rapping was was fine but at that point in time it wasn't it wasn't my own lyric so it was like whatever um but that I would I would honestly say that that's when I started kind of rapping and performing and then for me production came in probably 2000 and we at that point in time my older sister was a um professional hip hop instructor and dancer and that's just what she did. That was her whole life. Um, and she started to sing a little bit just for performing. And so we started, she started performing and trying to get beats for songs or whatever. And then I got really interested in music. And so I started buying equipment, like little pieces of equipment here and there, and just started making things. Cause I was hanging out with all these producers. I was going to like, we were in South beach and all that stuff. And I was kind of just sitting and watching what they were doing. Um, but I don't play any instruments. So, once I noticed that there was a way to make music without playing the instruments um, using the MPC and all of that, I was like, okay, great. So I started making beats kind of for my sister so that she could, um, she, I think she was in a singing group at the time. And then eventually she went solo, but I was making stuff for her and helping to write some songs and stuff like that. Then I met another artist um, who wasn't an artist at the time, Little Bass. And I started writing, he was probably six and I wrote his first rap. And then his, he just took off from there, his career. He just, like, that's what he decided to do um, with his life. But I started managing him and his brothers and then managed. So mine went from, like, I was behind the scenes. I was doing the music production. And then I started doing management and being in Miami and having connections, especially with that family, because they knew everybody. That kind of started with my whole, all right, this is what I'm going to do, music. This is something I'm going to do. Then it then not last too, too long, actually. But, you know at the time it was like amazing and it was all hip-hop because that's i mean hip-hop and r&b that's what that's what my focus was so went to managing artists we eventually went to owning a hip-hop dance studio when i stepped back a little bit from music production and the entertainment industry which is kind of your um entertainment industry is great if you already have money and you don't need to you don't really need to rely on other people for anything but wasn't the greatest. So I stepped back from that and then we had like a hip-hop dance studio for a while. It's called Face of Hip-Hop in Sunrise, Florida. So that was that was fun because it was another way to, to still have those performances and kind of see the younger kids and stay connected to the younger kids and kind of what they were interested in. Um, which I believe is what is going to segue eventually to the new hip-hop and what's going on. But maybe why I have slightly, I have a slightly different view on the things that are out now than a lot of other people. Um but anyway. Anything else you want to add about hip hop either rapping or you as a producer?
1: Um uh, not really.
0: Buck the President's beats are ahead of their time. So by the time he's moved on to the next thing you might be ready for the first thing that he created. He has to keep going back and re- remixing and doing different things because, you know, the times change. But if you get a chance, check out Buck the President on SoundCloud, on YouTube, all that. Um, all right. So change gears just slightly. How do you feel about hip hop now? The state of hip hop now? So not thinking back on the old stuff, what's coming out right now? How do you feel? Hmm.
1: The state of hip hop is what's coming out now
0: yeah like the music the i mean the music, the ability to stream the um performances, whatever it is, like what's going on now, which is completely different than what happened in the past, so how do you feel about it?
1: That's a tough question i mean i I used to feel the way about it. Now I just accept it as it is what it is. I think it's going to go through a cycle of right now, I feel like there's no real like lyrical content. It's not really valued at a premium. But then if I think back, music and radio, the music on the radio has always been about dancing. So, it's really more the beats and the cadences. Just so happened that when I was younger, most of the cadences contained lyrics that were like substantial or intricate, like a lot of wordplay, which is like my favorite part of hip hop.
0: And to be clear, we still have a lot of artists that do that now. But they're not the popular artists, so does that that say anything about them, or does it say something about the audience and what the audience actually wants? A lot of it is what's being pushed on the audience, especially a younger audience, to make Uh them desire certain things. And as they grow, that just becomes, you know, the music kind of takes that turn. But as my dog is in the background having a fit, I don't know what she's doing right now. Actually doing nothing, just wants to make noise. She wants to be heard. Every episode, there's either her snoring or something going on with her, but whatever. Right now she's tap dancing. Um <laughs> so I don't know. I feel I feel like there's a place for all types of hip-hop. And the only reason the main not only, I won't say only, the main reason. The majority of the people that are angry with what hip-hop is doing now is because it's making money because if it wasn't these these things have always existed if it wasn't what's making money there wouldn't be an issue You'd just be like oh, okay yeah whatever but a lot of that has to do with with the audience and ourselves and kind of what we allow and what we don't allow and this is not dealing with the children because the children are fed what they're fed and then they kind of they take that and run with it but if there's not an audience for something like I, the same thing happens, like I'll read a headline and then I'll say to Buck, like, oh, I saw this headline on whatever. And then he'll ask me, like, well, what is it saying? I was like, I don't know. I'm not clicking on it. The headline itself sounds like something I didn't want to give a click. So eventually I'll probably hear what happened. But I just I don't want to be a person that gives that click. And so the same thing with music. A lot of the times I will listen to music that's not like the best, like the the content or what they're saying and i kind of block it out and i listen for cadence and the beat and and how i how the music itself makes me feel and that might not be the best thing because words do have you know meaning and, and all of that but what i'm taking in from it is something different like i don't have to listen to a, a song that's saying you know i'm gonna kill everybody in here like i'm not gonna go out tomorrow and like kill everybody in the play like i'm just not gonna do that that's not my headspace But that doesn't mean that a kid doesn't listen to the same thing and then decide, oh, I'm going to do this because this will make me cool. That's just, you know, that's one of those things, though, that I think. Until your brain has developed to a certain level, there should be things you're not exposed to. And we don't have that. um, We don't have that luxury anymore, because now you can find anything anywhere, no matter what the age, whether you're. And and I can't blame parents, because even if it's not in your home, once you leave, once you go to school, once you go anywhere else, these things are available for anyone who has Wi-Fi. So I think those, I, I, all of that and the exposure, the early exposure to so many different things, um, makes the music change a little bit. In the midst of all that, we still have a lot of people who are considered conscious, even young kids that are are fighting for causes and, and they they're really passionate about certain things. But it's not. It's usually not the majority, because those that's an uphill battle instead of this kind of coasting and just.
1: It doesn't even have to be conscious for me. It could just be like you could say I'm, I'm gonna go in this room and kill everybody in there, but don't just say I'm gonna go in this room and kill everybody in there.
0: Yeah, maybe me work like, a little make bit. Make it different. Think like. about it and be like, oh, that kind of distract. That that's true, and that kind of distracts me from like depending on how the person is saying. It, it's like the equivalent for me of listening to. Okay, I won't say equivalent. This might be completely off of what you just said, but um, like if I listen to music that's in another language and I can still enjoy it, even if I don't know what's going on, that's kind of what I do when I listen to music that I can understand what they're saying, but... I decide to listen to the beat, listen to the cadence, feel how my how I feel about it. Sometimes I listen to things that are really ratchet because I just want to, for whatever reason, that's the feeling I want. I'm not going out to do any of those things, but the feeling, the weight, the, the adrenaline rush, all of that, I want that at that point in time. So I'll blast my music and drive around and be singing and screaming at the top of my lungs and then get out the car and come back and just be regular or whatever. Um, and Buck has told me numerous times that I have to go through all different emotions all the time, every day. Um, and maybe that's it. But for myself, I do that. But I, I can't. It's just kind of it's kind of sad because I know a lot of a lot of other people don't and kids definitely don't and fall into the trap of what's going on. I think there was just way too many things are being marketed towards kids too, using hip hop because hip-hop is supposed to be fun and dangerous and on the bad side, for whatever reason. That's how it's marketed. And um, so those things are always... It's always whatever you're not supposed to do. Your parents tell you not to do something, and then you want to do it. So when you market something like that, that's what kids gravitate towards, and they kind of want to do it. Just talk. Um...
1: I don't even listen to the radio, so I don't know what's going on. I, listen I don't watch to video shows. I don't do any of that.
0: I don't watch video shows anymore. I don't even know if they're still if they still come on. I used to all the time. It used to be my thing. And um, but the radio I listen to all the time. I'll get in the car and then whatever comes on, depending on where you live, there there's different. So, I'm I mean I'm in Connecticut, so there's always a lot of. Um, near Hartford, which is a lot of uh, reggae and dance hall and a lot of Afro beats on the radio regularly, a lot of um, uh, Hispanic music on the radio, and then hip-hop. So the station that I listen to is a hip-hop station, but whenever I turn on the radio, those are... And then old-school hip-hop. So there's a lot of that going on on the radio. Um, And then I'll listen to Pandora or like basically Pandora. um, And then just choose different stations. Of different artists that I like, and then the things that come on there. So that's where I get my new music because I don't really, I'm not really, out there like listen. I don't even have, I don't have the time to go researching new music. I guess I could make the time, but I at this present time, I get new music either from Buck the President when he's telling me something new is being released, or I listen to the radio and a cadence or a beat. Really, it's something, it's repetitive, and it's just something that I like, and so I end up singing that, and that'll end up being my new music. I also work at a school, so whatever I hear them blasting, I tend to try to listen to because you want to connect to the, you know, the kids and see what it is that they're actually listening to, and sometimes that's very scary, but, um, yeah. In your opinion, Mr. President, there are a lot of crazy things that are going on. Um, we see in hip-hop news, entertainment news, all of that stuff. Do you feel like these are all new things that are going on? Or have they always been the same things going on and we just haven't been report it hasn't been reported back to the masses in the same way? Do you really say feel it like again? it's I'm
1: sorry. do you
0: do you really feel like it's like all of the different things that we hear, there's so many things that we hear in um hip hop news. I will say specifically hip hop news because, you know, people talk you talk about the drug use, you talk about Um, the violence the misogyny there's a lot of things that are ingrained in the culture Um, even the homosexuality um, there's a lot of things that are ingrained in the culture and so within that culture do you think that these things have really changed a lot over the time frame or is it just that it is you know it wasn't something that was documented before
1: Um, I think it's documented before may have gotten a little worse as all things elevate I think the I think the simplicity of things it's like um, Tootie Fruity that's the name of that song Mm -hmm. what is that song about it's not about anything that's like for kids Mm -mm. But the way it's put,
0: yeah,
1: it's disguised. Like, it takes some thought. Yeah. When we were growing up, a lot of things, they got a little more blatant. I remember how, like, Jodeci was a big step away from, like, New Edition.
0: Yeah, like traditional R&B stuff, yeah.
1: But they weren't even really, like, that crazy, as crazy as it is now.
0: Yeah. But you know, that comes from... The media and radio allowing what they allow, right. whether it was TV, whatever, that doesn't mean if this, we didn't have these restrictions back then, you wouldn't be seeing all kind of craziness. Because what we hear stories we hear now about this person in this hotel room fighting this person and getting burnt with a crack pipe and all this. You're like, what the heck? These people that you revered for, you know, whatever. Um, now you hear it, but there was nothing. It was just word of mouth. So people could make it die quickly even now with all of these things that we can see if you have enough money things die pretty quickly so it's kind of like the same thing so these the fact that they had to Now they don't have to hide those things because those are the sales. But if you have to hide it and you still choose to make songs that have secret messaging to be like, look, this is what I'm really doing. And y'all that no, no. Then that means it's something you wanted to do anyway. And people say, well, we were we were very tactical about it. Like, no, you were restricted and you weren't free to do the things you wanted to do. And therefore you did them and said, oh, look, look, I'm gonna trick everybody. They're just not going to know. And if someone didn't tell you you couldn't do that you probably would have been i mean and this is i'm talking about hip-hop we've had the same things that we have going on like lil Nas X and all those the things we have going on now other genres of music have had so it's been like rock and you've had all of this kind of androgyny and 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 all that other. you've had things there it just wasn't this type of music that allowed for it because the group was like no but whether you're talking there's but i think
1: th- like hip-hop Started off as almost as like punk and rock did.
0: Yeah, the underground.
1: Like yeah, but it's like the anti culture.
0: Yeah, it did.
1: So whatever was popular wasn't necessarily hip hop. Yeah, hip hop was hip-hop like hip-hop the made opposite things. of what was popular.
0: But hip hop ma- was strong enough to make things popular.
1: So right, it's almost it became like a self- strong enough to make things popular.
0: Yeah, but it's almost like a self-destruct. Because it's the same way like when, when people like underground groups and then they break and become big, even if they did not change, the fact that a lot of people like them, I don't like it anymore. So it's almost like you want to set up this type of music or this type of culture to be a self-destruct culture. I will be here to support you until I feel like you've gotten too big and now forget you. I don't want you anymore. That's not So then if you're not supporting it anymore, the people that took it and went wherever with it are the ones supporting it now. The entire thing has to change to what those people want because that's the support. But we kind of we, we do that in and of ourselves when we don't try to support and mentor and like like actually support the artists that we care about. Oh, you have fifteen hundred people that like you now, so I can't like you anymore. I mean, that's that's crazy. Same thing happens with punk bands or whatever. So it's not exclusive to hip hop. The same thing happens. People are like, oh, they're on MTV now or they're on whatever. They're They're too big for us now. So you want your idols and you want the people that you really care about to not be major artists and not have success that they may have dreamt of. And while you do that and you hollow out those same people that want the core... Things of lyricism and, and being smart and witty and all of that. So they pull themselves out of the, the mix, which means now you are no longer the target audience because you're not even in the mix anymore. And then wonder why everything has, has been taken and changed into what it is. I don't know. Just my thoughts. I'm just talking. You know.
1: No, I understand that.
0: Is what it is.
1: I was thinking of... How could anti-culture be popular? It has to be forced.
0: I mean, I think I think anti-culture could be popular the same way that fantasy and fiction is popular. If it's not something that is natural, you see all the time, it's not there, it can be this fake thing that you can lust after or you can say, I wish I had this. I know girls are conditioned that way from the beginning because we're, fairy tales are pushed on us and it's this fake world, it doesn't have to be, but everything that's thrown into it is so fake, and so this, and there's even death, there's people poisoning people, there's there's a bunch of crazy stuff that's in these fairy tales, and all we take from it is, after all the, tri- the turmoil and, and trials and tribulations at the end, you have this Prince Charming, and you can live happily ever after, that's never explained what that means, it's just the words happily ever after. Um, but I, I liken that sometimes, like now a lot of people vote um they root for the villain instead of who is supposed to be the hero in a movie um but it's still that fairy tale and fairy tale sounds like it's a positive thing but there's a lot of evil and and all of that that's in there as well so it's that fairy tale that fantasy the fact that people can dress up and 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 pretend to be you know these characters and go to comic con and go to all that stuff there's something there and we're moving that way as well in the virtual world where you can be anything that you think you want to be so it's it's all that i think all of that conditioning comes down i mean has been happening so that these next steps can happen as well but that's what it is if i want to be if i can watch a gangster movie and be like oh my gosh i want to be this person for what the person has shown you that they've been shooting and killing people, destroying neighborhoods. They've been nice here and there to different people, but this is what you gravitate towards. Do you really want to go outside and be shooting up a bunch of people? No, but you might enjoy it in fantasy to be like, oh, this is a thing. And so sometimes, and and a lot of the times when when it's bad or negative things, it's a little bit more, it's definitely mysterious. It's a little bit more macho, machismo, like that's just how it feels. There's power behind it. And people that don't have power in their normal everyday life will gravitate towards something powerful even listening to hip-hop some of the kids I see jumping up and down even around my campus and singing songs I'm like you would never you could never do the things that you're, you're saying you're just this little timid thing but then that music brings something out in you and it makes you feel in the moment that you are this thing even though you're not so you snap back to reality a little bit but I think that I think you're onto something where it is, it is the anti culture, but anti culture to me is just fairy tale and mystery. It's the same way that people are into Harry Potter, into, you know, The Hobbit or whatever. Those things that are like, oh, we've made up our own languages and we've got different, these funny names. You've got all this stuff. Like, you can create what you want. You read a book, you can create what you want. You can create what you want things to look like, what you want things to be. And now we have little flashes of pictures and videos to, you know, create the world that we want to show it to other people. So the anti culture I don't think
1: that I don't think that this new hip hop is anti cultural. No? That's why I said that. In what way? It talks about what is really going on. Like Other times I remember the analysis of things it spoke of them as bad, or it wasn't necessarily. promoting a lifestyle like nwa has songs that are like positive mm-hmm. while describing a negative circumstance that they grew up in
0: true and but how
1: that- they take advantage of that negative circumstance
0: but that's all about perception, because somebody that's in that negative circumstance will look at it as it's a something positive. And somebody that's not in that circumstance just listening to it. It all sounds like negative.
1: Express yourself. You mm-hmm. can't look at that in any negative way. That's why I said they have songs that are positive songs.
0: But you're saying it from a specific perspective. You could listen to express yourself and, and not be anywhere connected to that culture at all and look at it negatively. Are you justified? Maybe not, but I know people have. Um, and so it just depends on your perspective and how you want. You can spend anything to be good you know, or bad, but. You
1: can't really spend anything to
0: be good. You can. That. You can put a spin on anything. It's, okay, it's all you about, can put a spin about, on.
1: But there are some things that are good and some things that are bad without any spin, just how they are. Okay. Anybody could spend anything to feel anyway about it.
0: This is true. And it only makes a huge difference in people's lives depending on who's doing the spinning, and who has the reach to to taint other people's minds. That's how I mean. That's how I, I view it because I I'm agreeing with what you're saying because they are there are. Ton- I mean, we've had what self destruction. We've had like there's there's songs that, um, or heal or heal yourself. So we've had songs.
1: It's not even that though. Not just talking about if you bring up any artist celebrating I don't know it's like celebrating the, the, the life of negative is what is normal now expressing that life was negative and seeing the positives in it seems more like what it used to be.
0: I can agree with that. But I think, but I still feel like um, unless you take the time to really think about it and break it down, you're not, you're if you're outside of that life or around anything that has to do with that or you're not going to look at it that way. You're just going to say, if someone can say that it I didn't did this. not take
1: this. for it to be broke down. It was genuine. It was expressed outright. That's what I mean. Anti-culture. N.W.A. Ice Cube. Ice Cube was cool with Public Enemy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Public Enemy was about progress. It's always been about progress. Mm-hmm highlighting the trauma and the drama and the quote-unquote urban areas Mm -hmm. not to celebrate it but to express that they do exist and there's a way out of it
0: and we need to open our eyes and and stand up for ourselves right and all That that
1: seems like the way everybody was going then Mm-hmm. you could say that the people who lived in the life could see it and be like oh yeah this is what it is this is this is fire because this is how we live mm-hmm. but the actual words in the song without any spin and interpretation taking at face value mm-hmm. was showing that it was something that needed to be changed true even no. Jay-Z was always Jay-Z is my favorite rapper I think he's the greatest of all time Jay-Z celebrated a life but with that mafia mentality showed that this that wasn't the end goal and it was a result of being put in a situation where you can only reach but so high avoiding those things to now where it's just outright celebrated that that's what they've done like there's no plan after it's like this is what it is this is all it's ever going to be that's what the music seems like to me now
0: yeah because there's so much money to be made in that in that field in the
1: reality of it it's money to be made in the reality of it which makes it no longer Mm anti-culture because the anti-culture part would be this is how it is and we need to stop because it's not going to get us anywhere that's what it used to be. That's why I say it used to be anti-culture. And mm-hmm. now it's just culture.
0: Yeah. So I have a question for you. Do you think if we didn't... If, if hip-hop itself didn't veer to the right and do what is now... Uh, we, what we now know as, as hip-hop and it stayed in that vein of trying to uplift and trying to, to show and even revolt if you needed to, do you think it would be as big as it is now? Knowing that there are people... Who either will help to push something or just blacklist it and and stop it at that point in time.
1: I don't think at this point. Well, I think for
0: prior to it getting to this point, I mean, though, like when it was in the stages where we are like, oh, my gosh, this thing is crossover now. Before it got to that crossover, if everything stayed that way, what do you think um, would have been the outcome?
1: But I can't say what is crossover because when I do a timeline in my head, I know you remember me saying that. I believe the time after Biggie and Tupac died, there was a time when dancing became the most important thing. Mm
0: -hmm. I think that was the crossover I'm talking about that made it. That made it easier for people to stomach and say, "Oh look, they're doing these things." Okay, great. And then hip hop became like, "Okay, we hear this thing. We know. I know that artist. I know that puffy dude. I know th- and that." And so it became like people could understand, "Okay, I know this. I know of this." And kind of was that breakthrough to try to to hop over to mainstream. That's what I was thinking. I didn't know you were going to say that, and I don't know if that's what how you feel as well. But I think that same part where you say kind of messed up hip hop and veer it to a certain way. That is what I think of when I think of crossover, that entire Puff Daddy and the Family type area with Mace and all of that, where everything, regardless, the lyrics were still the lyrics, but it was like a, a whole bunch of shiny suits and to dancing it. and looking, right. look at this, look at, so it was like, oh, okay. That, oh, this is not that bad. Even if, because a lot of people listen to lyrics and they can't hear it. To them, it's like, they can't hear it. So if they're looking at something that's like bunch of happy dancing, even if it says something like Kill Your Mom, they're not hearing that. And they're just like, that's what makes that crossover, that big sound. Take these 80s sounds that they're used to, because they liked the 80s music, put that in there, mix it around, and say, look, this is this new thing. And remember, it sounds kind of familiar, and we're dancing, and we're wearing shiny suits. What now?
1: What now? From there, it went to the songs that we're still talking about anti-culture. I would even say Little Wayne spoke of anti-culture. Because that would be the next big step for me. The music went from the Diddy session, the Diddy era, to dancing to Diddy's, (laughs) to dancing to street music. Mm -hmm. Once you start dancing to the street music, the message becomes more palatable so the street factor in that palatable music becomes more acceptable and it doesn't become a rejection of that thing it becomes an acceptance of that thing Mm -hmm. so once you accept that thing that's where it went downhill the acceptance of these scenarios as a part of a culture that we no long, we no longer need to get rid of that is just accepted and glorified as something that is inevitable
0: yeah that's where i have the that's where i kind of have an issue sometimes cuz i'll hear people especially older people or people that have been into hip-hop for a very long time criticize the newer um, generation and rightfully so with the the criticism but then they'll be like back in the day we had this or they'll like compare and I'm like the things that they bring up I'm like that's not that's not good like they'll be like oh y'all think you're so you're so um, ratchet we had my neck my back we had put it in your mouth like Okay, that, mean, that means it was not a change. Like Those things might not have been mainstream because they weren't allowed on the radio, but those are still the things that you gravitate towards and you say, oh, these are my things. They don't know anything about it. But in the next breath, they're saying, well, we were about change. And we mm, not always. And living through it, not always. It was just relatable because it was what we were going through. And I think these kids are growing up in a different age where the things that would have been relatable and the way that it was palatable for us is just not what they're they're looking for. And drugs has a lot to do with that because drug culture is way younger. That's one thing that I've, I will say on a whole is younger from parents giving their kids Adderall and Ritalin and all of that because things being prescribed from younger. The drug culture is just different now. Um, and kids are just addicted to things.
1: I remember when I was in high school, there was a lot of drug addicts.
0: hmm I don't. But I went to a high school where I wouldn't, that would be easily um, covered up if that, that did happen. But I do remember going back home. And but for me, the addicts were never like regular people that I knew of or could see. To me, it was like I had a thing in my mind of what a drug addict was. And it was always some weird looking skinny person that was like on the street somewhere like that was addict to me. And so I never and I don't think I ever got over that from a kid um, to now seeing that there's different types of addictions and people that are functioning, you know, alcoholics are functioning Crackheads. Crackheads, like actually, oh, I I smoke crack on the weekend, but I teach during the week. Like, what? How does that even work? How does your mind even compartmentalize like that? Or people who could only work if they're on cocaine and everyone's like, this is the greatest worker ever. They can do everything. Um, So those are I don't. Unless someone's doing something negative, if you're an alcoholic, but you're just an alcoholic, like that, that sounds weird, but you're just an alcoholic, you're not necessarily doing anything to harm others. Like you're kind of by yourself, whatever. But then an alcoholic who's like beating their family or like a gambler who's like, like there's things that it's like it's really affecting other people that you care about and you just don't care. Um, that's what I used to think of addiction, not the fact that your body is craving this thing. And that's like the first thing on your mind. So as I got older, I started to see the difference, the difference levels of addiction too, because there, I mean, there are like 11 year olds that smoke crack. Can't even fathom in my mind how that happens, but they are. There's 14 year olds that smoke crack, whatever, whether it's been introduced in a sneaky way that they didn't know that's what it was, whatever, but it happens. There are parents that smoke crack with their kids. There's different stuff going on that I was not privy to when I was younger. That doesn't mean it wasn't going on then either but I wasn't privy to it. So my whole thought process had to change as what, what addiction is. And you know, that it's not just one thing like, Oh, you're an addict. So you're horrible. There's different reasons and ways that people even got into the things that they've gotten into. Um, and I think bringing it back to hip hop, I think hip hop, even back in the day when that would happen, there was an explanation. I, that's how I feel like whether it was a a dear mama, and you're talking about your mama being a crack fiend, but you love her, and that there's things that were going on that made these things. Happen. Like there was a a lot of you talk about the, in the neighborhood crack or you talk about whatever, but there was usually something there to be like, oh, this is why. Right. This is it was what like happened. it
1: was going on, but it wasn't celebrated. It was yeah. explained. Yeah. It was then we like got, got past the that. dancey part, yeah, and relating to that's why I say the Little Wayne part. Yeah. Little Wayne was anti culture. Mm-hmm. He was so anti culture that he started saying he was like a rock star
0: yeah and that every, became acceptable followed that
1: that's when it became culture
0: culture and rock star embodies drugs of all right. kinds and all of that like it's not in in our neighborhood or in a lot of the black neighborhoods drugs are there obviously they're for there for sale for sale they're around but it's not like oh yeah I'm gonna be a crackhead today like that's not it's, it's not like how people are like well I'm gonna drink that syrup or I'm gonna it wasn't like oh I'm going take that codeine and be like a zombie that wasn't a thing that was like oh yeah let's do this that's great that's more of a rock star thing and then that was brought into um,
1: and everybody started partying like rock stars everybody started doing that and then that becomes the acceptance of the drug culture yeah which is regular culture.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then it's not an anti-culture anymore because it's, it's seeping into. We're bringing swag to the same craziness that's been going on everywhere else. Right. We're just really cool with it now. So you get to see it and be like, oh.
1: We feel like we're included in it and it's yeah. cool to be included.
0: Yeah. You're included. All the crazy rock star mentality, people doing crazy things that rock stars get away with. We also forget that we don't really get away with it. There are one or two that will allow you to get away with it, but for the most part, you're getting locked up. But the rock stars, they get away with stuff and just get swept under the rug, and it's like, oh, okay. Um, so people are, are, are aspiring to be that. When I look back at old rock stars, like, tsh, I don't want to be that. Other than money and fame, and I don't really like fame like that either, so I, I wouldn't want to be that. But some people, they're like, oh, my gosh, I can trash a hotel room and somebody, just, they just have to deal with it. I can like do the weirdest things. I have no intention I don't really have the desire to be at a very crowded place with a bunch of sweaty people and then jump into the audience and have them pushing me around and like i don't I don't want to do that. It's not something I want at all. But we've incorporated that into our lifestyle, which is crazy and our not meaning me necessarily, but it's just crazy because we're also the lifestyle. If you step on my shoes, I'm going to kill you. So why am I in a place with 50,000 people sweating, jumping around, pushing and acting like something's not going to happen because you forget about the other side of the culture, <laughs> which is maybe they don't have. But the other side is like, listen, and, I, and you won't like everybody. That's another thing, too so it's kind of scary because you're setting yourself up for failure and once it's all said and done who's going to be there to support you your own people are going to be like you shouldn't have done that and the other people are like you're crazy and you deserve to be locked up you're just setting yourself up for failure
1: hope doesn't come across like i'm bashing little Wayne. no little wayne is one of the best lyricists he
0: is and, and and an innovator. I mean, it, just the fact that he liked what he liked, you can't bash somebody for that. He really did like, he liked skateboard life. He liked, there's like a lot of things that those were
1: Right, because it was, a, he understood anti-culture. He understood the culture that we were being fed was not a culture of success.
0: Yeah. And he also grew in that he grew in a certain area that it would make sense that he wants to be like you know what I'm gonna do my own thing I'm gonna be a I'm gonna do this like he was in the midst of it. Some people are not in the you're in Louisiana and you're in the middle of the trenches. You're not there's no faking. You're outside all of the things that you're seeing is there. So if you have that, he took the fairy tale to a different thing. Like he still has the negative in there, but it's like let me do this thing. That there's no one something around me can. better than
1: this. Yeah, that's why I don't include him, even though he's at a real pivotal point in it I don't yeah. include him in the culture yeah like the the point where anti-culture was taken away from hip hop because he was still anti-culture
0: yeah and in a way he was still fighting that other culture didn't want him either they're like this is ours what do you mean so it wasn't right. it wasn't like it was still an uphill battle it was still like going to this thing and being like hey we can belong here too it was in and of itself a protest but, like, I don't know. Like then weird. after
1: that little point with Lil Wayne right there, mm-hmm. it just became like a string of, that's when I think One Hit Wonders started really popping off. Mm-hmm. Like, mad One Hit Wonders with their little party song. hmm
0: it also became that you didn't need albums it was like just give me the singles yeah. give me a few things here and there like it started that started to be more of a thing it wasn't like a a full compilation of a story from beginning to end or different you know chapters of the same story it was like all right what are we talking about now all right let's do this oh okay we we're in a we in a pandemic let's throw something out that has something to do with this oh wait what's going on right now let's throw something. so things are not cohesive oh you want to see people twerking all the time let's throw something oh we, this is what's fun oh yeah strip clubs let's throw that out like It was just like, okay, this is what's working. Let's jump on it. It was never proactive. Everything was reactive. Oh, that's what's going on. This thing just hit. Let's jump on that wave. Um, And so when you're doing that and it's reactive instead of proactive, it's impossible to make a cohesive album unless you're one of those people that makes 10 to 15 songs a day because then it'll be cohesive because you'll be talking about all the same things and you'll throw out that album out there. Those are the people that make two and three albums a, a year. Like, okay, I got this. Because you got all those ideas because you were just spitting them out anyway. Um, most people don't do that because record labels do limit you. They don't want you putting out a whole bunch of stuff. They, they kind of pick and choose. And so you have all these dead tracks somewhere that you can't really use. Um, but then these other people that are independent are like, all right, let me just throw things out. That puts a monkey wrench in it because other people who are on majors now have to compete with this. You're putting out 30 songs a year, and I just got my three singles that y'all are trying to push for a year and a half off of this album. And I'm trying to get people to... So now you have to do something crazy. Some weirdness has to come out about me. Something has to put eyes on me. I have to, like, cuss somebody out or something to make people listen and then go listen to my stuff. And that's what's been happening. We've been having crazier, crazier, crazier things to push you towards somebody. Every time there's going to be a release, every time there's going to be something, you are you know that it's coming because you'll be like, Oh, this thing just happened. Oh, Donda's being released. Oh, this thing just happened. Oh, what is like... It's like clockwork, and even if it's not that artist, their PR, someone, is always find somewhere to leak something because that's going to push it. So it becomes that you're working for the single, for the single, for the single, and not for the album. And the artists that work for the album, people are constantly like, where's the album? Where's the album? I want an album. Like, you bother Kendrick for an album. You want something from Rihanna. You want something like there's certain people that are just like, no, I'll work when I'm ready to work like true artists, I shouldn't say true artists, but artists that are sticking true to what it is that they want. Um, but it becomes, I mean, it's great for the consumer sometimes because you get so much more music and you get to listen to a lot of different things and choose what you want. But it sucks on an artist standpoint to not be able to put together the work that you want. But artists also have to understand the work that you want to put out there may not be the popular thing and it may, people might not like it. So you're either going to make your music because you want to make it and you like it and you stand behind it and then people gravitate towards it or you run the risk of, of losing.
1: That's the part of the game, though. Yeah. I think you have to be willing to accept that sometimes people are not going to like what you like.
0: You have to. That should that should actually push you to constantly be. You don't want to be complacent in what it is you do. Oh, yeah, I got the I got the remedy. Everybody loves it. I'm going to T paint this out and just be doing this thing forever. The like, thing
1: to me, though, is if the artists who make albums can put out something that's different from the time and be successful, mm-hmm. the artist who's just looking for a single can't do that. Mm-hmm. They have to do what's out
0: mm-hmm.
1: so it could blend in mm-hmm. and be popular.
0: Yeah. So you end up having to do, you could, if you could do double the work and you have the money, you can make your own album and make the album for the for whatever needs to be done. You can make the radio single and still release your own thing. You can do like a Kanye West did and be like, the, out, the, the label's not pushing what I need, so I'm going to do Through the Wire and put it out there myself and fund it. You could. In this day and age, it doesn't even cost as much to fund it because you can use social, you can use all of that. So you can actually do that as long as your contract doesn't say that you can't like put out anything unless they say if you sign something horrible like that but you could do that you could put two different sides some some artists in the past have named named themselves two different things and like put out what's this under here but legally i can put out this music because i'm this other person and it's my other persona or whatever it is who did that who did it um nelly did it on one of his things but he made it like a double album one side and the other side Beyonce did it with the I Am Sasha Fierce, so there was the I Am part and the Sasha Fierce. The Sasha Fierce had more of the sexy thing. That was like the crossover to really get into the grind of the sexy whatever. Um, when she was leaving, you know, leaving a girl group and being known as America's Sweetheart, and then being able to turn into that other thing. There are people that do it. There's even people that are in groups, like Outcast where you have the, the speaker box and Love Below, because two people wanted to make two different things. And even though you can cross over a little bit, you want to focus on what you want to do. And it is now, first of all, it's smart because double albums count, count as twice the sales. So that's a smart thing to get your, your albums up. You sell one, but it counts as two sales. Um, and then you, know, you also get to do what it is you want. Now, nowadays, I think people do more so, oh, I'll do a mixtape. Um, So I'll do whatever I have to do for the studio, but then I'll do a mixtape. And depending on what your contract looks like, that may be a good thing or may not. But there's different ways to, you know, to get to get your music out there the way you want the way you want it to be. And if it does blow up, then that's when the label will step back and be like, all right, you know what you're doing. But they are trying to protect their money in the way that they think they know how. So that's why they they try to tell you, um, give you those restrictions. I think we've talked about a good amount of time on hip hop itself. For entertainment news, it's gonna be a little bit different. Just be one question that um, Buck and I will talk about a little bit. And I think it's a good segue from what we were just talking about because I did mention, um, Buck mentioned hip hop and how it was, how it used to be, and now it changed into this. And I was saying, well, do you believe that the powers that be, whoever those people are, um, would have allowed or made it as easy for hip-hop to go out to the masses we already know that it was being blocked a lot anyway you had to fight to get on mtv fight whatever but so for it to get out to the masses if it didn't make this change that they wanted and if it was more like a stand-up revolutionize and and be there for your community or whatever um and i say that and then the one entertainment news we're going to talk about is how um, Kanye West's social media posts have him on the Grammys' blacklist. So um, The Game took to Instagram and he was talking about Kanye West and he claimed that he was supposed to take part in the Grammy Awards as a performer. However, the Grammys ultimately pulled Kanye due to his recent comment about Pete Davidson on social media. Um, The Game was obviously upset about about this um, and we weren't exactly sure what was coming from. Um, as Kanye, as all of the things that I've seen for the Grammys, Kanye was never confirmed as a performer. So maybe he was supposed to be a, a special guest performer or something like that. Um, but then, checking with TMZ, they have an update on the situation. Um, Kanye's rep has confirmed the news. Their comment to TMZ was that um, he was pulled concerning his online behavior um, against Skeet. So...
1: I'm almost to the point where I don't even want a Grammy anymore. I still want a Grammy just for the value it has from me being young and knowing what a Grammy stood for to me at that time. Mm-hmm. Just an accomplishment. But this little news right here, them even saying anything about Kanye West, is like their rollout for the Grammys. Because yeah. nobody really cares anymore about mm-hmm. the Grammys. So by them acknowledging Kanye West, they're putting themselves in the Kanye West trending section. Mm-hmm. And now, hopefully, they'll draw more people. And then all the people that are hating on Kanye may tune in.
0: They will draw more people. But it's also, I think of it as, like, the same power move that I was saying before. Like, why do you care? There are so many people that have been to the Grammys, that have talked about other people, have said, said things, have done things, have been blacklisted, have been canceled, and still were there. And this has to do with back and forth on instagram or whatever and also trevor noah which probably since you see how it's reported this way but it's more likely that it's more so the trevor noah thing and not necessarily pete Davidson because trevor noah is one of the hosts so that makes sense to me like he could have been like nah i'm hosting this and i'm not not with this person who said whatever he said about me whatever i don't
1: think trevor noah is on it like that i think trevor noah would invite it I think this is the whole thing, just for fucking publicity. Man. These people just want publicity and press of shit.
0: Possibly, but it is still you taking away um, a performance opportunity for someone who is big enough, or you would think is big enough and definitely rich enough to make some parts of your life a hell. But maybe not enough. For I don't
1: you. think they care about that because they just—he was just celebrating the fact that his sales are not recognized on Billboard. Mm-hmm. But it says not to be recognized on Billboard. That's like gra- Grammy's <laughs> fuck with Billboard. Yeah, of course. So, it's-
0: I mean, the Billboard Awards definitely do, so he'll never get those, but the the Grammys, it's really some older people that's voting on stuff. And so Right. That's what I don't like and never have liked about the the Grammys. It's always their agenda. Sometimes things will win and I'm like, "Why?" Even when it is a black performer, I'm like, "Why would that be what you celebrate?" It's all it's all the agenda. But I am. I will say I am disappointed because this is not the way I don't think that they should get involved in this particular thing. Either the person is going to perform. Or are you going to be about the music or not? The person did not actually do anything to someone. Um, right.
1: That's how you know it's fake. It's yeah. not the real reason they're not involved. It's just a way to get publicity.
0: It has to be because he's never been. No one said that he was performing at all. It wasn't even... And if you knew he was performing, that would be the first thing that you were doing in your publicity is to be like Kanye West because you had gotten a lot of people, whether people were watching it because they love him or because they hate him. Maybe more people would be watching because they hate him then because they love him, but still. But anyway, that's the only thing. The Grammys disappoint me. They've disappointed me for a very long time. I'm, I still am happy for all the people who have um, been able to receive Grammy nominations and Grammy awards, same as I feel for the Oscars. Um, if that's your craft and that is the creme de la creme of awards for you I wish the best for that but I think there needs to be um, definite change in in the Grammys, the Grammy selection process, all of that but where does that start? I don't know so that's it for our entertainment news, we're going to move into our health tip of the week, Buck do you have something for us?
1: um wash your
0: hands (laughs) (laughs) always um and we just did a we just did a seminar with um i am surviving vegan um yesterday actually so it was an eight-hour seminar um and it was about health is wealth um and vice versa so my health tip is to get your finances in order a lot of the times when your finances are not in order, there's a lot of um, stress, mental stru- stress and, and all of that that comes along with it. So start with something simple as trying to clean up your credit and research ways that you can kind of clean up your credit and be on paper worth more. They too. did
1: have a section where they said that your cravings can be indicative of some kind of lack or emotional trauma that you're dealing with.
0: True. She did also say that with um, pregnancy cravings, because since she was vegan and pregnant and they were talking about the cravings, is your body lacking something and needing to replenish that? And that's why you have those weird, crazy cravings, because your body knows what where those things come from. Um, But we can make better choices within those cravings. So but brings up a great point. Um, Research cravings and what they mean. Like if you crave crunchy things, what is that? Or sweet things. Or salty. Like there's certain cravings that you have. And if you can research into it and try to like think about how you feel. Think about your body. Think about if you're really hungry or not. There's a lot of times when I'm not hungry and I just want to eat. And then I'll feel sick because I wasn't hungry and I didn't have the room for it. But I wanted to eat. Now where does that come from? What was going on at that time? So that's my, that my health tip is to, is to focus a little bit on wealth. And your um, and your credit, and trying to fix your credit—that's a baby step. And then um, also think about your cravings that you're having, and research what cravings me- cravings mean, um, and try to try to correct that slowly and surely. All right, I think that's our show for today, episode ten. Wow. Um, my closing remarks: Learn to love who you are while striving to be a better version of you each day. Don't base your actions solely on your emotions. Try to find principles to live by and base your actions on those. Aim to be a good person and then stick to your word as closely as you can. You cannot please everyone, so just try to be good and everything else will work itself out. Thank you for listening.
1: Strength, love, and blessings.
0: Always. This is episode 10 of the Ladies and Goons
1: Podcast.